Welcome to the Wolf Whistle, the podcast that interviews and celebrates the former players of our great club, Wolverhampton Wanderers. Welcome to the Wolf Whistle. Welcome to the 59th edition of the Wolf Whistle podcast, the podcast which interviews and celebrates the former players of our great club. We're going back into the 80s for this podcast. John Teasdale, eight appearances for the Wolves between 1980 and 1982. We're going all the way to America. John, how are you? I'm doing good, Jason. Good, good. good. How are you doing yourself? Hey, I'm not doing. Uh, I'm not doing too bad, John. Although we're in these uh, these these very strange times, and I know of whereabouts in America are you actually, John? I'm actually in a place called Vero Beach in Florida right now, talking to you. I, I do live in California, but uh, I've been down in Florida for a few months, uh, helping a friend, uh, helping a friend of mine. Um, I'm in the car business, you know. Okay. So okay. I. Um, I got laid off for uh, backing after in April when all this happened and uh, um, got laid off for five months. And then my buddy called me up from Florida and asked me to come down to help him. So I've been down here. And uh, let me tell you, it's absolutely beautiful right now. It's 74 degrees and uh, sunny. Well, I must say, John, I'm quite jealous because I'm in sunny Canuck and it is nothing like, <laughs> <laughs> nothing like Florida. Yeah, I've been Kenick. I remember Kenick. <laughs> so, um, John, I want to rewind the clock back um, to to basically you joined the club from uh, a club called Nairn County in December 1980. So really, it was uh, how you got spotted as a junior footballer and how your move to Wolves came about. Um, well, I mean, I was up in... Uh, I, I, my family's lived in a place called Elgin up north. Scotland up between Inverness and Aberdeen you know and I played in the Highland League I was playing in the Highland League and uh, there was a lot of teams uh, a lot of scouts watching a lot of clubs it was in the papers and a lot of teams in touch with my with Nairn County about me and it just so happened that my uncle my uncle Johnny was uh, married to a lady from Wolverhampton right and he was stationed at uh, what's that airbase Oh, uh, Cosford. Yeah. So he was stationed there. So what he did was he wrote a letter to to uh, to Wolves. Right. And he told them about me. And uh, next thing I know, my my uh, my manager came to me and he said, "Listen, uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers have been in touch and they'd like you to go down on trial." So uh, I went down. I came down on trial. No way. So, and that, and that, I mean, look, John, this simply wouldn't happen today. So all this really came about from somebody writing a letter to the club and, and asking for them to give you a trial? Yep. Yep. And, and as a young man coming to, to Wolverhampton from Scotland, um, you know, was it was it quite a difficult transitional period? And, and, you know, obviously the trial went well, but I take it you was riddled with nerves and, you know, it was a... It was really, I suppose, you know, an exciting time for you as well. Yeah, I actually, uh, if I remember correctly, you know, my memory isn't as good as it used to be, but I remember correctly, I scored a hat-trick. We played a, is it Hensford? Yeah, Hensford Town, yeah. Yeah, I either scored two or scored a hat-trick, and uh, 
and uh, and that was it, really, you know. <laughs> and after that, they they signed me, and um, and, and down I came. And you never looked back. I mean, so what was interesting? I think that was in you signed professional forms in December nineteen eighty, and that was obviously just after Wolves had won the League Cup in eighty. So it, it, there must have been a real real buzz around the club at the time. Yeah, yeah, there was. It was good. Um, you know, of course, they were in the first division, and um, they weren't doing that great in the first division, but they weren't that bad that, that first season. You know, I mean, I um, think, I think, John, this is what makes it all the more interesting, is because obviously you come down from Scotland as a young man, and and you know, with the greatest respect to Nairn County. Um, you know, it's a huge, huge step for you. And at that time, Wolves are in the first division. I mean, you know, I bet, was you almost pinching yourself when you got to Molyneux? Oh yeah, it was. Uh, it was a different world from playing in the in the Highland League in front of two hundred people, and, and you know, it was just, it was just on a different planet to to where I, you know, and my town's twenty five thousand people. You know what I mean? So yeah. You know, to come to Wolverhampton and to me Wolverhampton was huge and Birmingham and every you know and uh, it was it was yeah it was massive I mean some of the play I mean what what's interesting is um, you you made your debut in, in 1981 Sunderland away Wolves won 1-0 um, Andy Gray was the goal scorer that was the 4th of April and you actually kept yourself in the team for, for the remainder of the season, which I believe was, was seven games. Uh, we played Man City at home, Forest away, Arsenal at home, Spurs at home, Stoke away and Everton at home. And, and once again, that must have been absolutely huge because you're in the first division, you're playing in front of literally, you know, tens of thousands of people. Like you said, some of these games, there was 20,000 plus at. Um, how do you feel, John, that, 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 you know, the transition itself, but how do you feel that you, you fitted into things? Uh, once I got in about the first team squad, I, I I felt confident, you know. Yeah. Um, and you know I was improving all. That was I was a naive. I was only eighteen year old. I was naive, but I mean I I was improving all the time, and and they played me everywhere. I played on the left wing. I played on the right wing. We played against Spurs. I mean, half of that game I marked at Aussie Ardiles, you know, because <laughs> obviously I was I was quick. I was fast back then. Yeah. You know, so it was it was. You know, I, I was just enjoying the ride. You know, what I mean, it was, it, it was good. It was, it was. Uh, you know, and I thought I was doing okay. Yeah. yeah. And and some of the players in that team, you know, I've had a look through through the archives. Once again, Wolves were a first division squad. You got Andy Gray, Kenny Hebit, John Richards, um, uh, Willie Carr, for example. From your point, being Scottish. To, you know, these are household names, so for you to start, you know, playing with them, it must have been amazing. Wee Willie was absolutely tremendous to me. He was huge, big, yeah. huge help to me. Very, you know, it was, to be honest with you, it was, it was kind of weird what happened to me. I came down from Scotland, and this is when the bad thing happened. You know, all they did was wolves. They stuck me in a set of digs. I was in a set of digs with an old lady who was like in her 70s, Mrs. Davis, God bless her, God rest her soul, never forget her, lovely old lady. But I was an 18-year-old kid. He put me in digs with a 76-year-old woman. Yeah. You know, one yeah. one television in the house. You know, it, it was like, 
I had to get out of the house. I couldn't, you know, I, I, I had to get out of the house. So I was going out when I should have been at home yes. resting. Yeah. You know, when I should have been home resting, I was out in the bars and stuff like that just to be out of the house. Yeah. You know, and then I got involved in, see, I got involved with some wrong type of people as well. And, and it, it, you know, it just didn't, it didn't go well then. I, uh, I got roll, you know, and I had some great friends in Wolverhampton. I made some really, to this day, two of my best friends in the world are, are uh, two girls I met, yeah. Jane Dudley and Wendy Corbett. Yeah. I met them. They worked in Bees. Yes. I'll never, I'll never forget. I went into Bees with, uh, with a guy, a young guy that was at Wolves and, and he knew them to introduce me to them. And they said, oh, you have to come to the pub to meet our friends. Hey, meet our boyfriends. They're Mad Wolves fans. Yeah. So I went to the pub to meet their boyfriends. At, um, they were both engaged at the time. Yeah. So I went to meet their boyfriends. And I ended up being the greatest of friends with them to, to this day. You know, Jane and Wendy are, are my greatest friends, you know. And they've both been, over, both been over here to visit me. Every time I come home from Wolverhampton, I go visit them, you know. Um, and that's amazing. And, and, and John, listen, for all the trappings of playing for a first division club, like I said, we've just mentioned that, you know, you're playing at Forest away, you're playing against Spurs, Mark and Ozzy But the reality is you're a young 18-year-old man. You've, you've probably left Scotland for the first time in your life. You're in these digs. It must be really difficult to, to settle. And obviously the easiest thing to do then is obviously make friends and, and go out for a few drinks innocently. But I suppose in a way, in a perverse way, it almost can start having a detriment on your career, can't it? Oh, big time, big time. You see, and I was I was a compulsive gambler. I was a compulsive gambler from a, a, as a very young age. Right. You know, I was... I was uh, so, next thing I know, you know, in, on a Tuesday night when I should be at home resting, I'm at the dog track. Yeah. You know? Mama Green. In, in, in Mama Green. And then I'm in a casino. I'm, you know, it just... It was it was never ending. Yeah, because I, I'd never been around that in a small town back home up in Scotland. We didn't have dog tracks. We didn't have casinos, you know. Wow. So, you yeah. know, and it it just kind of all spiraled out of control for me. And it, and it happened real quick. And I didn't have anybody around me. Like, I didn't I didn't have my family around me. To, you know, it would have been a huge. My whole career would have been totally different if. Just say my mum and dad, like they do nowadays, if my mum and dad had moved down to Wolverhampton with me. Yes. And I and I had a home to go to, my own house and go home, my family. It would have been totally different. And, and I think totally what's interesting to that point is, John, in football, from, say, the year 2000 onwards, if a player did make a move um, from the other side of the country, or the world even, as, as happens now, their family do actually come with them. But with yep. yourself, as such a young man, all of a sudden you're just in a strange town. Um, obviously, it's a city now, but you're in a, a big, strange town. You've come from, from like you said, you, you know, yourself, a small town. You've got that mentality, and all of a sudden you, you've got all these things thrust in front of you. It must be so, so difficult to resist the temptation. Because uh, I didn't know about the gambling story, but it, it almost must be very difficult as a young man to resist that temptation. Oh yeah, it, it was. Lisa, I remember playing against Stoke City, and it was uh, the same day as the Grand National. And when we're coming out onto the park, I remember asking one of the punters on the side if he knew the result of the Grand National. <laughs> you know, 
and there, and I'm an 18 year old kid playing again in the English first division. Yeah, you know, and my main concern was, did my horse win the Grand National? You know what I mean? John, interestingly, interestingly, did it? Of course it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> of course it didn't. I, mean, I was a mug gambler. I mean, see, thing is, uh, John, that was that was actually that day. It was the second of May, nineteen eighty-one. Stoke away, we lost three-two. Kenny Ebit scored, and I believe there was an own goal. Um, so, I mean, when you say gambler, you know, I, I just want to come on to that point because that's one thing we haven't really covered on the podcast. Um, is it the fact that you know it, it's obviously can be horses, like you said, greyhounds? You know, could it be pretty much anything, like you said, casinos? It's 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 anything. It's it's anything, and it's not the gambling. It's not the winning or losing. Yeah. It's just putting the bet on. Yeah. It, it's more exciting putting the bet on half the time than it is watching the race or watching the game. Yes. Yes. You know, it's uh, and I was, I mean, I still can have, a, I still have a bet even today. Yeah. But nothing. I used to wake up in the morning, Jace, and the, as soon as I woke up in the morning. I needed to get the paper to look at what was the racing for the day. Yes. You know, I needed that, you know. And so the second I woke up in the morning, my, my whole mind was consumed with gambling. And, and then and where was I going to get money that day to gamble? And yeah. Whereas I, I was, all I should have been thinking about is going to training, you know, training hard, you know, coming home, resting, you know. So... And, it, and, it, and- People don't see that side, John. I mean, if you don't mind me asking, it's always a question I ask from, from players from the 80s. What sort of money was you earning, John, then, at Wolves, if you can remember? Well, I mean, I was on £150 a week. Yeah. It, you know, um, but when I was in the first team, of course, you you know, it was great because you had appearance money and you had wedding bonus and not, you know what I mean? Yes. So that went up an extra five, six hundred pounds you know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I, I come from Scotland where I was making thirty pound a week to one hundred and fifty pound a week. Yeah. You know, and it, it was huge. And then, um, but it doesn't matter how much money. It, it could have been five thousand a week. Yes. You, I, I, you would have blown. I would have blown through. It just means that your bets get bigger. You know. Wow. Well, I know, and, and that's the, that is the sad thing with gambling. What. What's nice, John, now is, you know, you are in control of it. So if you do want to bet, you can have a bet. But there's a lot of people who don't, who aren't, I should say, afforded that luxury where it just gets to the point where they, they can't bet at all. But I'm glad that you're in control of it, John. Well, I mean, I'm in control of it. But I, it's, but if I walk into a betting shop and I've got £500 in my pocket, I'll, you know, I won't walk out until I get the £500, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, right. So, what, rather than do that, I'll go into a betting shop with only fifty pound in my pocket. Yeah, yeah. You know, but but I mean, thing is, over here we, we don't have betting shops, so I don't. It gambling doesn't consume my life anymore. I don't even Good. think about that. You know, it's not something. But before, I mean, I remember me and all the boys. I mean, we used to go to Vegas for all the fights. You know, because LA to Vegas, you know, yeah, it's only a few hours. So we used to go. We never missed a big fight. You know, all, all the. Um, all the big fights over the years, the last 20, 30 years, all the Ricky Hatton fights, you know, Pacquiao fights, all the, we, we, we went to every fight. But I remember going to Vegas and we were checking into the casino and there was a big line to check in. And I had like 8,000 
dollars in my pocket. So the guys were waiting to check in. I went and started gambling. I blew the eight grand before we checked in. <laughs> I, you know? I don't mean to laugh, John. I mean, I could see no, where that story but, was going. You know, that, that's the way it was. But, and then another time, waiting to check in, I won 14 grand. You know what I mean? <laughs> it, it's, it's not so bad then, is it? No, that was a, that was a good weekend. I tell you that, um, but that's the kind of that was me. There was no there was no common sense. There was no well. Okay, I can only bet this because I need this money to last me the weekend, or I need this to do that. Yes. You know, once you start once you start gambling, you just lose everything. You lose control of everything. Look, it's 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 a horrible affliction. Let me it, tell you something right now. It is. It's a horrible, horrible affliction. I mean, John, you, know? you don't need me to, 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 to obviously tell you, but, you know, there's only one winner in all this, and that's the bookies, as you know, um, or in Vegas, the bloody croupier, because I've lost a fair bit there myself. Now, you mentioned a support network. Obviously, at the club then, you wouldn't have the counsellors or the support around you, and, and I suppose you felt quite isolated and lonely, but the, your manager that gave you your debut, John Barnwell, what sort of relationship did you have with John? Yeah, I had a nice relationship with the gaffer. He was a nice, he was a lovely man, actually. He was a really nice man, you know? Yeah. He, uh, he signed me and he, he, he gave me a debut, gave me a chance, you know? I mean, I couldn't ask for any more than that. He believed in me, you know? Yeah. Um, and, you know, I was just young and naive and, 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 you know, but I wasn't the only one. There was ton, there was lots of, you know, there was other guys. You know, there has been, there always will be. I mean, yes. you got working. You got remember, it's working class kids. Yes. The most, for most professional soccer players, football players, as uh, working class kids. Yeah. With that don't have a great education. You know, it, so they don't know how to manage the money. They don't. They don't have a, a, the most discipline in their life, type thing. You yes. know. And. and um, and I suppose if you're at home and you've got your parents there or a parent or a sibling or, you know, even in today's game, an agent, etc., there's that much protection. But back then there was l very little protection, was there, John? No, there was nothing, mate. There was nothing. There was absolutely nothing, you know. You know, and I you know, I used to go around with my big mate at the club was uh, Paul Bradshaw. Yeah, Braddy. Braddy keeper. Yeah. And Braddy, and Braddy was a big gambler. Yeah. And, and Braddy liked the drink as well. So, yeah. and I and I love Braddy you know, to this day. I love the man. You know, it, it's. Uh, but I'd, I'd be out at nightclubs at one, two o'clock in the morning, and then casinos. Me and Braddy, you know, and then you got to be up at, you know, eight o'clock for training. It's, it was just, you know, it was just one day after another. And to be honest, John, you're actually selling it to me. It sounded like a great life. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, yeah, but it's just but you can't do that. You know, no. it was all right for Braddy. Braddy was was in the first team, and he was he was uh, a regular. Now that you know, I was a young kid, up and coming. You know, I mean, I should have been home as as a as a as an athlete. You need your rest. The more now, as I've grown older, you realize you need your rest. Yes, you need to work hard. You need to train hard. You need to improve all the time. And most important thing, you need your rest. You need your sleep. No, because as a striker, as yeah. a striker, once you lose that half a yard of pace, and I was quick, I was very quick. Yes, but once I lost that half a yard of pace, that's a different ball game at the top level, you know. Yeah, it, and like, it's not as if you was coming into the Wolves squad when we was in the third and fourth division. At that time, we was, um, you know, if memory serves me, the season we won the League Cup, we we I believe finished sixth or seventh. Now, yeah. 
you know, we was a, we was a top side. The following season, um, which was 81-82, you made one appearance against Everton. That ended in relegation, and then you joined Warsaw in the March. And the, the, the point I'm, I want to make really is, John, it's almost like it's over before it started. You're at the club in 1980. The world's at your feet. At 82, then, it's, it's I suppose, a step down to Warsaw. Does it sort of pass you by, at that stage of your career, I mean, does it pass you by very quickly? Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's funny how it all happened. It was... Someone said there was a clause in my contract. I don't know about it. There was a clause in my contract that after I played ten games, that they had to pay uh, Nairn another ten thousand or something like that. You know, right? Um, so I don't know what it was, but um, yeah, it, it was. You, you know, and I was doing well at the time. I, I was. I got myself back in the first team squad. And I was supposed to play. I can't remember who it was. It might have been Leeds. Yeah. I was supposed to play, and uh, I was in this first-team squad. It looked like I was going to be playing that night, and then I got pulled out. Similarly, that, that somebody said, oh, that's, they found out there was a clause. And that was a time when Wolves had no money, you remember? Yes, yes, they, yes, they, yes. They were going bankrupt. Yes. So then the following week, they announced on the Monday that they were given loads about 12 of us to giving us all free transfers me George Berry Colin Brazier yeah there was, there was you know Wayne Clark there was, a, there was a quite a few and a lot of good players you know yeah there's some great players they, there yeah so they couldn't afford to give us new contracts so they would get so and, and this is where it was all screwed up this was the biggest mistake in my career so we played Man United reserves on the Tuesday night yeah at old at, at Molyneux Gordon McQueen was marking me. He was sent. He was in centre back for Man United. Yeah. Uh, we played the reserves. We beat them two 0 I scored both goals. Yeah. And there was like about fifteen scouts at the game, or a lot of scouts at the game, you know, because it had been announced that we were all be given free transfers. So I got home, and seven thirty in the morning, the phone goes, and it was. Uh, Neil Martin from Walsall. Yeah. He, he was a manager. He said, oh, I was at the game last night with my chairman and we really liked you. And, blah, blah. and I was, I was, you know, I was like, what am I going to do? You know, what am I going to do? I'm getting released. Oh, shit, what am I going to do? So then I thought, oh, Walsall, it's just, uh, it's only 10 minutes down the road. So I jumped in the car, I drive over to Walsall. You know, no agent, nothing. I didn't even speak to my parents, nothing. Yeah. And they convinced me to sign. Right, and, and really only because, of, you know, I was a bit worried of what I was going to do. Yes. I get back home about four in the afternoon, and there'd been 13 teams on the phone trying to get hold of me. Oh. Birmingham, Sunderland, Middlesbrough, David Pleat from Luton. Oh. 13 teams, you know. And so I called them back up, and I said, listen, I've made a mistake. <laughs> right. Know, I, 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 can I say this? And they were like, no, 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 you're not. We didn't make a mistake. We, we've registered. You're registered now. You're our player. You know, it was like, oh. okay. I went to trade in the next day. And I hated my time at Walsall from the second I walked in the door. Do you know what, John? What, what, it, it, look, we're in the days now of 
obviously social media, mobile phones, etc. The world's a smaller place. Everyone's accessible to anybody at any any time of the day. So for you, if you've had a mobile phone, you know, and, and like Luton Town, who were a huge club at the time, Davy Pleat comes on the phone, that could be a real life-changing and, and career-changing move as opposed to you thought oh, that Warsaw was almost your only option. Yeah, big time. Yeah, I was, I was, I was young and naive, and <clears throat> you know, um, and uh, yeah, there was no cell phones, there was no nothing back in them days, and uh, yeah, it was the biggest mistake in my career because I just hated it. And then to make matters worse, I signed for Walsall. Yeah, the striker was Alan Buckley. Yes, Alan Buckley. Yeah. So he drops Alan Buckley to play me. Right. It was, was a big player at Walsall, wasn't he, Alan Buckley? Yeah. So he drops Alan Buckley. So, of course, Buckley hates me. Yeah. Because I'll take his position. What happens six weeks later, Neil Martin leaves to go take a job in the Saudi Arabia or somewhere. Yeah. And who gets the job? Alan, Alan Buckley. Buckley. And the first conversation I had with him, I said, well, what do we call you, Box or Gaffer? What and he said to me with this little squeaky voice he had, he went, it don't matter what you call me, you're not going to be here that long. <laughs> I, sw I swear to God. Oh, no. So, I had the most miserable summer. Right? I hated the summer. Yeah. And uh, and then it was torture. I, I, had, I was still there for about another six months or so. Playing in, the, you know, I went from playing and uh, being around the Wolves first team squad to six months later playing in a Walsall reserve game in front of three men and a dog, you know? And, and I always I always revert to this point, John. Um, it's almost like a decadence. And, you, you know, you're playing it, like I said, Forest away, Arsenal at home, Spurs at home, Ozzy Ardelis is marking you, scoring two goals against Man United in reserves. you got Gordon McQueen, you know. Uh, and then all of a sudden, like you said, it's Walsall reserves. After Walsall, it was Hereford. And and then quite surprisingly, uh, Willinghall. Um, but but you actually turned it round. So the the point once again, it, the, there is a decadence, isn't there, John? Where you're playing in front of twenty odd thousand, and the next thing you know, in the blink of an eyelid, you're at Willinghall. Is that is that a, is that tough to take, John? Well, you know, you just as you're dropping down, you you don't really see it that way yourself. You know, I mean, you you don't. You really don't. It, it's 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 kind of weird. It's uh, yeah. You, you know, when you're on the way down, you don't really see it until you just until you, you, you crash type thing. You know what I mean? But what happened is I was at Walsall. Yeah. So and I played in a uh, uh, a game, and I come out of the stadium, and uh, this guy approached me, and he said, "Hey, John T." I said, "Yeah." He said, "Listen." Uh, he said, I, I'm, I'm here on behalf of a football agent called Willy Reinke in Germany. He says uh, he'd like to take you to Germany. He thinks he can get you fixed up with a club in Germany. And I was like, Germany? Germany? What the fuck? What am I going to do? You know, I was like, wait a second. What's going on in my life now? Now, yeah. now Germany? And uh, the guy gave me his phone number and I you know, I thought about it and put on. Then a few days later, 
I said to myself, well, what have I got to lose here? This is, I hate my life here. I hate the football. Yeah. Um, I'm playing for Walsall Reserves, you know. I mean, so I called the guy. I said, yeah, you know. So then I asked, so I asked Walsall to release me. Um, and they eventually did. They owed me some money because they're supposed to give me some money signing on fee, and then they didn't give it to me. So they released me. But the guy told me, and that's when he says to me, "Listen, we need to get, you need to get a letter from. You know, I knew I couldn't get it from Walsall. He said, you need to get a letter saying we've paid like a hundred grand, a hundred thousand Deutschmarks, whatever it was, to, to, uh, to release you from your contract." And I yeah. said, "Well, so that's when I, I, I had a couple of guys I knew at Will and all, and I says to them, "Hey, listen, if I come and play with you guys for a few weeks, can you, can you guys do this for me?" And they said, yeah, we'll do that for you. So, you know, that was only at Wall and All for a few weeks, you know, and uh, basically just to get that letter of release to take to Germany, you know. Yeah. And uh, and off I went to Germany, mate. And and I, um, and, and I was in Germany. I was I was trained with Schalke 04. So I went from Walsall yeah. to Wall and All to train with Schalke 04 in the Bundesliga. <laughs> and... And they had this stadium in Gelsenkirchen. It was unbelievable. Uh, and they had a little, little uh, sweeper called Bernard Dietz. If you look him up, played for Germany. What a player. Unbelievable. And what a pro he was. And I stayed at Bernard's house for a while with his family's family. Yeah. And, and you know, I went into training. And, of course, I, was, I went into training. I was expecting training the same as the Wolves. You go in for two, three hours and that's it. Yeah. But no, we went in, trained two, three hours. It was hard. And then, you know, we went and had a bit of lunch. Then we went back to the stadium. And then we all went to bed. They had a big, they had a big room with beds and all that. We went to bed for a couple of hours. And then we trained again at four o'clock in the afternoon. Wow. I was like, this is unbelievable. So, <laughs> you know? And that's the thing. So, obviously, you've left Wolves. It, it's, it's you know, Wolves. So you end up at Willing all through default, I suppose. Um, and, and, and then you, 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 I mean, in the Bundesliga, I mean, it, mu- it must have been a real roller coaster, John. Oh, yeah, it was, you know, but you remember, I'm, I'm, I'm 18, 19 at the time, 20, I'm 20 at the time now, and yeah, you know, you, you kind of, you're young, you're, you're, you take it in your stride a little bit, you know, um, and I, yeah, I, I didn't have wife or anything like that. Or, so I didn't have to worry about nothing else. It was just me. I could pack bags and go. And I, you know what? I've kind of always been like that, Jason. I've, I've, I've been a bit of a gypsy, mate. Yeah. <laughs> I, I arrived in, listen to this. I arrived, I got a Greyhound bus from New York. This is how naive I was. I didn't know the size of America. Yeah. I was in New, I was in New York and I got a Greyhound bus from New York to Long Beach, California. Took three days nonstop. Well, it stopped to change buses, but... And uh, I thought it was going to take about eight hours, right? It took three days, and I got off Long Beach, California. I had four dollars in my pocket, yeah, and I didn't know, and I didn't know a single soul. Didn't know a soul. So you know, I've I've had that. I've, you know, I've got a little bit of the gypsy about me. You know, with my background, my family, and that. You know, so. Um, but now I went. So I went to Germany, and I trained with Schalke for a few months, yeah. and then the one day. The agent just says to me, hey, okay, listen, the team in uh, in Vienna uh, uh, are wanting you to sign for them. 
so off I went to Vienna. I went went to Austria in Vienna, and you know I was twenty, I was twenty one year old kid in Vienna, man. It was the most beautiful city in the world, and it was it was a good time. And then you you randomly <coughs> then come back to play in the league in England for Blackpool, didn't you, John? Well, you know the funny thing is, I I I uh, I came back to Wolverhampton because they split up in the season in the winter in Austria. Yes. So we had, we had six weeks off. So they told me I I got I can have three weeks off. Then I go go back for preseason training. I come back to Wolverhampton and uh, to, to uh, I was going to have uh, three four days in Wolverhampton and go up to Scotland and see my family and all that. And I I met. I met someone, I met a lady there. Yeah. Um, Joy, Joy and Jordana. She had a little baby, Jordana. And uh, I just fell for her. I fell for a hook, line, and sinker. And so I ended up going back to uh, Austria. Yeah. Uh, in the in January. And then, but I just I just wanted to come back and be with her, you know. And I eventually got out of that contract uh, later that year. And uh, I came back, lived in Wolverhampton. Yeah. And uh, um, an old buddy of mine called me. He said, "Hey, listen, uh, uh, would you be interested in going to Blackpool? Going up to Blackpool for a trial, you know?" And I said, "Yeah, why not?" So I uh, I went up to Blackpool. Sam Mellis, I love Big Sam, good guy. And uh, so he signed me for a season, and that was actually the most most enjoyable season. In the, in the in the pros because uh, we got back in them days the top two got promoted you know yeah and so we were up in the top three top four all season so there was a great buzz around the town and you know we would take two three four five thousand fans away away from home with us and uh, we ended up finishing second and it was it was really enjoyable it was good fun it was great going back to training every day you know. Being a professional footballer is the greatest job in the world when, when things are going right. But when you're a, a team that's doing poorly and you get an injury or two, and it's a horrible. It's it's a horrible. Oh, you know? And it, it, it can be, like you said, it can take you anywhere, as it did with you, you know, Wolves, Warsaw, um, Austria, Germany, sunny Blackpool. Um, obviously, you're in America now. I mean, if your life couldn't get any more interesting, John, um, other than the fact that we've just touched upon girlfriends, I'm you'll, you'll have to correct me now if I'm wrong, but doing a bit of research, talking to some of your former teammates, I believe one of your girlfriends was in a very famous film, The Exorcist. Yeah, yeah Linda. Linda Blair. Yeah, I... Uh... See, I, when I came over here, what happened is I was playing with a team over here. Yeah. Uh, I had to get a job, so I went down to a local park and I seen these teams playing. So I went up and asked the guy, I said, hey, can I come and play with you guys? And he, No, I said, can I come and train with you guys? And the guy said, yeah. So I went along to train. And, of course, yeah, I was at a different level from them, you know what I mean? Yeah. They were like Sunday league players type thing, you know. So even at the training, the guy said, oh, gee, will you come and play for us? I said, well, I'm... I'm a professional footballer. I need, I need to get, I need to get a job. I need somebody to pay me. So the guy who ran the club on the team, who's a big Yugoslavian guy, and the team was called the San Pedro Croats. He was a Croatian guy, you know. He had a big factory making parts for airplanes and weapons and all that. So they said, if you play for us, we'll give you a job. So I said, okay. So I started playing with them and working in the factory. 
and I wasn't doing much work to be honest with you. You know, but he just wanted me playing for the team. And so what happened was I'd been playing with him for about a month, six weeks, and then we played this game against the Exiles. The guy says, "Oh, we're playing all these British guys tomorrow night." I says, "Who's that?" He says, "A team called the Exiles." He said, uh, "Rod Stewart, the singer, plays for them." You know. I said, okay. I loved Rod. You know, I always, always big fan of Rod. You know. Yeah. Uh, and we played them. We beat them three one. I scored all three goals. So we're in the pub afterwards, and then all them guys were coming up to me and saying, "Hey, come and play for us. Come and play for us." And Rod came over and you know and, and introduced himself and that, and, and even he said, well, "Why don't you come play for us?" I said, "Well, these guys are paying me. I need to get a job." So. The guy, the goal, the goalkeeper, he, he asked me for my number and I, I gave him my number. So the next day he called me and he said, listen, if you come and play for us, he said, I'll give you a job driving limousines. And I didn't know what a limousine was, Jason, you know. I was like, oh, what's, a, what's a limousine? I don't yeah. know what a limousine <laughs> So anyway, so I said, okay, you know, and he, I, he says, you know, this is 1987, you know. He says, I said, what kind of money is it? And he said, well, you make the thousand dollars a week <laughs> so that's pretty good you know you couldn't have earned that much playing in the first division in england yeah and i said uh, gee that's okay and i went and signed for them i got a job as a limo driver and uh you know it was brilliant you know i was hotel in beverly hills i drove the customers from the hotel the four seasons hotel to rodeo drive dropped them off waited around picked some others up brought them back and you know it was and it ended up it was like a lot more than a thousand a week it was brilliant you got a lot of tips you know yeah <clears throat> so uh i got and one time i got a call so you know as a buddy of mine and i'm always about helping people out you know i'm a, I'm a, I'm a you know that type people have helped me yes so my one of one of my buddies little andy andy hughes from wolverhampton called me at me going oh i said easy i lost my job in wolverhampton i said come out here andy come out here and live with me i'll get you a job he said, you sure? I said, yeah, come on, come out. So Andy flew out. I had him live with me. And uh, so I said, the limo drive, because my job was easy. It was just, you know, it was a two-minute drive back and forth. Yeah. So I said, listen, give Andy this job. I said, then Andy will play for the team as well. Play, you know. Oh, hello, John. Uh, so I'll, I'll take a job. Right. Huh? Oh, sorry, you broke up then. Sorry, sorry. No, I've got you now. Yeah, so so I took a job of uh, dropping people at the airports, picking them up from the houses, taking them to the studios, all, all that type of... So sure enough, I get a call. I'd been out on the Saturday night. Not, I don't think it was a Saturday night. I think it was a Friday night. And uh, oh, I didn't go home about probably three in the morning I was so I was still drunk when I took you didn't have phones I didn't have cell phones in them days it was pagers you know that's unlike you John three in the morning nightclub oh jeez so um, <laughs> I get a page I call the company up and I'm like what's up they said hey TZ we need you mate he said we I, I, two drivers have cancelled on us I need you I said buddy I said I, I have two hours sleep he said please I need I need a death he said I said what are you going to do? He said, I'll go pick this actress up, take her to the studios. I said, listen, I'll do this way. That's it. I'm not doing nothing the rest of the day, but I'll tell you, because I'll be dying. <laughs> so I got Linda Blair. I had no idea. I never heard of her. Didn't know nothing. I go pick her up. 
and she wasn't ready. And she lives in a place called the Valley. It was up the other side of LA, you know? Yeah. And it was like, honestly, eight in the morning, it was like 110 degrees. It was like, and I, I had to wear a black suit, tie, I had to wear a cap, the whole thing. So I was like, I was sweating like a pig. So I got the door, knocked the door, her, 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 her stylist opens the door, and he's oh, she's not ready. I saw Cowboy waiting in the car. So I go back in the car, get the air conditioning on. I fall f- flat asleep. It was one of them, you know, you're, you're, when, you're, when you're still half drunk, you're sleeping in the car. Yeah. You face yeah. against the window and you've got dribble running down your chin. Nice. <laughs> the, ne- the next thing I know, there's a banging on the window and I look up and it's her, you know? And I, and I look like shit and I was like, oh, gee. And she's just laughing, you know? She goes, my God. What? And, uh, and I, so the way the studios, I told her the whole story. I said, listen, I wasn't supposed to be driving you. I said, it was somebody else, but, I, you know, and I said, I was open my boy. And she just, she was laughing, you know, she was, thought it was really funny. And, and uh, we had a good laugh. So I said, well, listen, I won't be, somebody else will be picking you up to take you home. It was nice. And she says, oh, I wish it was you. And she joked. So, of course, next thing you know, I go home, I sleep. Pedro goes off again, four in the afternoon. He said, hey, TZ, you have to go back and pick her up. I said, oh, no chance, mate. He said, no, you have to go back and pick her up. I said, oh. So I go back and pick her up. So on the way home to her house, she said, listen, I didn't eat. I'm hungry. Did you eat? I said, no, I didn't eat. She says, come on, let me buy you dinner. So uh, we went and had dinner. And, that, and that was it. John, you know? I mean, that is amazing. And and Rod Stewart, you touched upon obviously meeting Rod and obviously subsequently working with him, etc. See, I take it you've had a great relationship with with Rod Stewart over the years. Yeah, Rod's a good man. He's he's a, he's a lovely, lovely man. He's a real good guy. Rod really took care of me, you know. And, you know, and it's uh, I'll never forget for some of the stuff he did. You know, I remember I'd just been playing with him for a little while, and my, my Jane, my best friend Jane, who lives in Kings Winford, Jane Dudley, she comes across and. I told Rod, I said, hey, Rod, do me a favor. I said, Jane's a huge fan of you, know, big, big fan. You know, we've been to the concerts together. I said, make a little fuss of her, you know, she? so sure enough, it was raining that night. We're walking, we're walking over to where all the lads were getting ready to train. And Rod was there and he had a big Mac on and his hat on, his trilby hat and all that. And he, and he came walking up, right up to her. And she was like, and he's like, Hello, you must be Jane. And then she said, oh, yeah. she said, can you do me a favor? And he said, can you keep my hat and my jacket whilst I train? You know, so she was like, in, she was in La La Land, you know? Oh, wow. And, and he, took, he said, listen, once you're here, he said, I want to have Jane up to the house and all that. So sure enough, yeah, he took that, you know, he went up to the house, dinner and everything. And just, he was a great man, you know? He, he I remember telling him a story. I said, right, I was in the limo the other day. I said, I'm driving down Rodeo Drive and I see the Giorgio Armani store. So I see this nice suit in the window. So I pulled the limo over and I goes in and I'm thinking, oh, this is probably going to be about six, seven hundred bucks, you know? Yeah. I said, oh, but it's nice. I'm going to get that thing. So I go in. Of course, you go in that Armani stop on Rodeo Drive. There's no labels on the suits, you know? Yeah, no prices. I tries it on and all that. I goes, I says to Gal, I think, how much is it? The guy goes, $2,600. I'm like, 2600 I said, all right, all right. I said, listen, I'm just in the middle of my run right now. When I finish, I'll come back and get it. You know? <laughs> I, I, I yeah. bolted out of the store. So I was telling Rod the story, you know, I was like, and he was laughing. So about a week later, he had me around the house because what happened, used to happen is his dad used to tape all the match of the day. 
His dad would take the games in England, match of the day, and then he'd send them in the mail, and Rod would get them like the following Friday, and then I'd go up to Rod's house and we'd watch them on the Sunday. Yeah. So I was up there watching match of the day and that, and he said, listen, come here, and he took me upstairs, we went in his big closet, and he went, and he started getting jackets, shirt, you know. And I, I had a $300 old bucket, uh, a Daihatsu, car was got a Daihatsu, Die was a proper appropriate name for it, you know. And uh, I drove home that night in a three hundred dollar car with about thirty thousand dollars worth of clothes, you know. He gives you. Yeah, he's like, you know, he said they all send it to me, John. They want me to wear. I don't wear half the stuff. And, oh. So he was he was super generous to me, super super kind to me. And do, do you keep you in know? touch with Rod now, John? You know, I used to, but not really now. But I see him every now and again. I see him. We all go, you know, we all have a bunch of pals that we all know and everyone. And, uh, you know, I was at, uh, I, was, I seen him last time I seen him was about two years ago uh, at my mate's 60th birthday party. And it was great. It was me, him, uh, Richard Goff. And uh, it was it was just like we were like 20 years ago, you know. He came up with TZ, he doing sound, you know, arms around each other and all that, you know. Yeah, he's he's super nice, super nice. I mean, what's what's so interesting with this, John? As a young eighteen-year-old man coming from Nairn in the the deepest, darkest depths of Scotland to come to Wolverhampton, which possibly wasn't even much better, you could never have foreseen your life to go the journey it went on and to meet the people you've lived and to go to the places you've been to, could you? No, you know, that, that, I mean, that was the thing, you know, within within a space of five years, you know, I went from the north of Scotland to Wolverhampton to sitting in Rod Stewart's house in the Hollywood Hills. And, and you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> you know, no, no, I could never have, I could never have seen that. But, you know, I'm a great believer in fate now. And, and that was just my journey. That was, that was what it was meant to be, you know? Um, and and and, and uh, you know, and I, I wouldn't change a thing. You know, I wouldn't change a thing. You know, people say to me, if you did this different, I'd, I said, yeah, if I'd done that different, I'd be, number one, I wouldn't have my daughter. Yes. You know, my daughter's the most important thing in, my, in the world to me. Um, I wouldn't have my daughter. And and I wouldn't have had the experience if I hadn't met the people of it. You know, so I really wouldn't have changed nothing. And, and I, you know? I take it, John, that Wolverhampton still holds, obviously, a dear place in your heart. It does. It absolutely, you know, it, 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 it does. I, I love it. I've always loved Wolverhampton, I, you know, and uh, like I say, meeting Jane and Wendy and being have that special bond and friendship for them for like, well, it's been, what, 40 years? It's 30, like 30, yeah, it's 40 years since I met Jane and Wendy. And they're, they're two of my greatest friends, you know? Right. Um, and I, I wouldn't change. And I've still got good people I know back home, Wolverhampton and that. And, you know, I used to live with... Uh, uh, Mick, Scotch Mick, they used to call him, you know. You know, that's the thing. I, if I'd met Scotch Mick, because I lived in his house, you know, for about a year, if I'd met him when I first went down and lived with him, it would have been totally different because it would have been like a bigger brother to me, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, uh, you know, it, it's, you know, and then, and then, you know, me and Linda Blair, we, she, we were talking about getting married and all that, you know, and, and, and what happened was I, call, I called home to speak to my mom and that. And I spoke to my little sister. Now I left when I left Elgin. My little sister was only like seven year old, you know, eight year old. So when I was in America, and I was talking to my sister, and I said, 
I got off the phone and I I said to Linda, I remember saying to her, I said, you know, I just spoke to my little sister, but it's like, I don't know who I was talking to. I don't really know her. Yeah. And and I thought about it, I thought about it for a few days and that's when I turned around and I said, you know, Linda, I got to go back to Scotland. And she's like, why? I said, because I don't even know my own family. Yeah. Everything happened. Everything happened for me in a rush. I don't really, I don't even know my own family. I said, I, I, if I get married at you, I'll be stuck here in America for the rest of my life, and I'll never know my family. You know, and and uh, and that's when I went home. I went home, and I uh, and I signed for Elgin City. You know, um, Elgin had never won the league for like what twenty odd years. And my first season home with Elgin, we won the treble. We won the, the the league, the league cup, and the Scottish qualifying cup. You know, and you know it, it was it was a great season in there. But I, uh, and then what happened was the change of management. I didn't like the change of management, so I buggered off to Spain. I went to the Canary Islands. Right. I went away and lived in the Canary Islands for a year, and I, you know, I was like helping run a nightclub over there, and that was fun. That was a lot of fun, and uh, you know, I mean, I, I was a free bird. You know, I mean, I, that's the way I was. I was a bit of a bit of a lad, you know. And 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 I wasn't. That- and you live in California now, John. Um, is this where you 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 you, you settled? Is this now what you class as your home? Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm here for life. I, I came home to Scotland, I tried it. What happened was I got a job managing my old time, Elgin City. Yeah. And I said I said I was going to win the league. And, and, you know, we used to get crowds at three, 400 of the games. And I built a team up. And we were getting crowds of like 1,000, 1,500 of the games. It was huge. Yes. Huge difference. And we did win the league. But... I don't know if you, you looked into whatever. What happened was, these guys in the Highland League, they didn't like it. I come back from America and I was all pixie. You know, you know, I was big mouth. Teased the arse, I'm going to win the league, blah, blah, blah. Who's this kid think he is, blah, blah, blah. So, two day, what happened was, we got a letter saying that I was suspended and one of my other players was suspended, yeah. right? For the, for the, uh... Oh, hello, John. A little bit of a glitch then. Sorry, carry on, John. Yeah, so, you know, I was playing manager of City and we'd done a great season. And uh, so there was myself and one of the other guys suspended for the, the last game of the season. And we needed to win that to win the league. And... Uh, so what I did was, I called up the league. They said I'd have to, have to ask the opposing team because I thought, well, if we bring the game forward the Friday night. So I asked them, hey, would you bring the game forward the Friday night? You know, because I'd arranged a friendly against Dundee on the Saturday and yeah. Sunday to, as a fundraiser, and for them to have a look at my little brother Michael. <clears throat> and uh, so they agreed. So we played the game on the Friday night. We won six 0 And then what happened was. Someone found out about the suspensions, so they they had a hastily arranged league management meeting on the Monday night, following Monday, three days later. Yeah, where every member is supposed to go, and they're supposed to say, "Okay, 
this has happened, this has happened. How does your club vote on this? And their members are supposed to go back to the teams, to their own committees, and say, hey, how do we vote as a team on this, club on this? Yeah. And then go back. But that night, it was all arranged. It was proposed to strip us of the league and seconded and voted on that night. It was just a complete hatchet job against me, you know. And uh, they stripped us of the league. So if you look at the Highland League, Elm City, in that in that in that year, you got stripped of it. Ninety-three. It says no winner. Yeah, <laughs> we won. We ended up winning the league by four points, but they uh, they they didn't give us the league. I mean, but it was just a, it against me. It was it was. I did I did great. I had a great season. There was people talking in the press about hey, maybe a bigger club would be coming in for me as a manager and all that. And and that just. That put an end to my management career, really. And it's sickened me of the game. It really sickened me of the game. I mean, John, just looking back on your life, um, to, to, you know, to, to, to finish, really, there's two questions. You've had a fantastic life. Um, yes, football's took you all over the world, but I think you're quite nomadic in as much as you would have gone all over the world anyway. So I want to end, really, on, on you know, to, what... Two abiding memories from your life, an abiding memory from your time at Wolves, and, a, and an abiding memory from, from your, your life, as interesting as it's been. You know, my time at Wolves. I mean, it's, I love, I'll never forget my debut against Sunderland. You know, I set the winner up from Andy. You know, all came in. I, I laid it off to Andy. Andy scored. You know, it was just I'll never forget that. That was yeah. That was amazing. You know, looking at all the fans and. You know, it was just, I remember the bus trip home and everything. It was just brilliant. I'll never forget that, you know. Um, you know, I, I got so many memories, mate, to be honest with you. It's hard to pull out one, you know. I've got so many great memories. I, and I, I, I you know, and I have a good life, you know. And I, I've been with a lady, Sheila, for four years. It's fantastic woman. I have an ex-wife who's one of my best friends. I have a daughter, you know, so my life's okay, man. I, I, I uh, you know, and uh, I live in the sunshine. Well, John, you've certainly brought some sunshine to the podcast today because I've interviewed some interesting people who've, who've had some very interesting stories from, from their life and their time at Wolves. But I've got to be honest, I've never interviewed someone with as much variation and such an interesting life as you. So on behalf of the Wolf Whistle podcast listeners, I, I really want to genuinely thank you for your time today. I want to thank you for representing our great club and I wish you all the success in the future over in America. Pleasure, Jason. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure talking to you, sir. Thank you. Wolves Highway. Wolves Highway. All right, mate.